0: Welcome to a special episode, the 50th, of Where Are A Now? Tonight, it's Where Are Day Now? A podcast dedicated to catching up with former RDs who are NYU alums and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their days here at New York University. I'm tonight's host, Tom Ellett, the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs, all by myself, as the song goes, tonight, as you will learn why shortly. The show tonight has three guests, all NYU alums who made large impacts on the quality of the experience for NYU students living in the residence halls. We'll spend time reminiscing about the staff, the programs, and the Department of Housing and Residence Life. Our three guests have taken different paths, carving out successes in their various industries, and we'll discuss how the NYU experience helped them where they are today. In alphabetical order, as I know it would be in trouble if I said in rank order of impact to the NYU Residential Life and Housing Program. First, John Kozlowskis, who worked as a grad RLA in Lafayette Hall, and then he transitioned into a CDE position, community development educator, for five years at Hayden Hall. He has two degrees from NYU, an MA from Gallatin, and an MFA in dramatic writing from Tisch. Second, Dr. Sarah Klein, who worked as a graduate student RLA in 3rd North starting in 2002, then in academic initiatives for the department for a year, and then she became a full-time CDE for five years. Two degrees from NYU, an MA in Student Affairs and Higher Education, and a PhD in Higher Education. And third, Ryan Sylvester, who worked as a CDE from 2003 to 2008, at Weinstein Hall, and received an M.S. from NYU in Global Affairs. Welcome, Ryan, John, and Sarah. Thank you for joining today's podcast. It's a really exciting time to have you on. First, let's get some updates. Where are each of you, and what are you doing? John.
1: I am currently living in Los Angeles. After I finished my time at NYU, I ended up moving out here and have just been working my way through... bunch of different TV shows. I worked on Brothers and Sisters, and I worked on Smash, and Happily Divorced, and now I am writing on the NBC show Superstore. So I knew that's what I wanted to do at NYU. That's what I was studying at Tisch, and really it's been a dream come true. Sarah?
2: I am living in the New Jersey suburbs. moved here a few years ago from the city, and I am the Assistant Vice President for Student Affairs at Stevens Institute of Technology in Hoboken. I basically serve as the chief student affairs officer there, so overseeing all of life outside the classroom, which is amazing, and really the job that I also aspired to do when I was at NYU. And I'm also a professor in the NYU Higher Ed and Student Affairs Master's Program, which has also been a fabulous experience since I'm an alum of the program.
0: Ryan?
3: I'm living in Annapolis, Maryland with my wife, Kristen, a fellow NYU alum and Res Ed alum who is already at Palladium. And we have our two boys, Andrew and Daniel, and a third child that come in this March. So we're excited about that. Since leaving NYU, I went to law school at Fordham in the city. Straight out of there, I joined the, the US Navy as part of the Judge Advocate General Corps. And so I'm a Judge Advocate for the Navy, so a lawyer for the Navy in my seventh year and currently in an intelligence law-focused assignment, which I really love. Uh, but this summer, we're packing up the, the family and we're headed to Bahrain in the Middle East to serve as uh, officer in charge of our region legal service office there for two years.
0: Outstanding. It's great to hear alums of the program doing so well in your respective industries. Why don't we start back a little bit about your time coming to Washington Square to work and to study. John, what made you choose NYU to go to Gallatin and then work here in the department?
1: So Gallatin was the first program. I was in a program at Gallatin and also in the MFA program at Tisch. What drew me to Gallatin was that I knew that I had a lot of varied interests in terms of I was interested in studying communications and I was interested in writing and I was interested in understanding social inequality and I was really looking for a program that let me combine those interests and unfortunately in a a lot of the programs that I was looking at at other schools really made you focus on one area or the other. And when I heard about Gallatin through a friend and uh, Jenna Jacobson, who was in Gallatin and actually was working as the grad assistant at Rubin at the time, she told me about the program and I was like, that seems perfect. That seemed right up my alley. I started at Gallatin, was really interested in doing documentary filmmaking, did that program. And about halfway through, my advisor challenged me to try writing. And that's really where I found my true passion, finished the Gallatin program, and then applied to the Tisch Dramatic Writing one after that. But I, I know that when I was an undergrad at the University of Massachusetts, I found that communities that were formed in the residence halls were really important and impactful in terms of my happiness there, my ability to feel connected to the school, my ability to feel connected to my peers, and just the campus at large. And so I really wanted to be part of the residence life program at NYU, and
2: why I started applying. Sarah? Well, after undergrad, I didn't really know what I wanted to do and actually landed very, very randomly in a job at Goldman Sachs as a recruiter. So I was doing that while the whole time thinking I really belonged back working in a residence hall because all I could think about was miss- the fact that I was missing RA training and I just loved that time. So I had a random moment one day where I decided, I don't really care that I work at Goldman Sachs. I know a lot of people want this job, but I'm just going to quit and do what I love to do, which is work with college students in residence halls. So I called up my hall director, Andy Wilson, from when I was an RA at my undergrad at Wash U, And he said, I was waiting for this moment for you to call me and ask what, how to do this. And he basically explained, you know, there are all these different master's programs and I should probably seek one out. And all of the ones that he mentioned were in the Midwest. And I was already living in New York, and, and I grew up around here. So I called him back a few days later, and I said, oh, this sounds great, but I'm staying in New York, so where am I going? And he basically said, well, obviously, you're, you're going to go to NYU. So I quit my job and went to the NYU program. And I also had a connection with a person who was a hall director at Wash U when I was an RA who knew Molly Degas, who was the hall director in 3rd North. So he connected us, and I interviewed with Molly, and then she hired me at Third North to be her grad. So it really just like all fell into place, and so much of it was the mentorship of all the Res Life staff from WashU.
0: Ryan,
3: I've been a hall director at my alma mater, Minnesota State University Moorhead, small state school in Minnesota. I'd done that for like four years, but I'd always been fascinated with New York City, and I had an interest in international affairs. Uh, one of my undergrad courses was a visit to the United Nations headquarters in New York and had a strong desire from that experience to return to the city and continue in higher education, but also to, to pursue this interest in global affairs. And so that's what really kind of drew me to want to work at one of the primary things that drew me to want
1: to work at NYU.
0: What was it like to work on staff at NYU?
1: Well, I guess I'll start. When I started the grad staff, I worked with Peter Adams at Lafayette and that was a really fantastic experience. It was hugely challenging and so different. John Sexton used to say, you know, NYU is the end of the city and all that, and I think that that was just a big change from the traditional campus environment I had come from, but it was one that I really loved, and it was one that was really exciting for me, and I also found that the students at NYU were absolutely incredible. I mean, easy for me to say that because at the time I was a grad student. So, you know, I put blunt myself, (laughs) amazing, amazing students. But, you know, I just felt like that the people at NYU, both the staff as well as students, it just, it was obvious that the school attracted top tier talent. And so that that was, that just brought the whole experience to a whole nother level. And then beyond that, once I was hired onto the professional staff, it was a time of real change in the department it was going from residence life to residential education and and so that I was really on board with the vision and the direction of where the department was going and was really excited to be a cheerleader for that and to be there to watch that and to help bring faculty fellow and residence program and those sort of things see those kind of things being added to the residential experience at NYU seemed like a no-brainer and I was just really excited to be part of that and not to say i'm sure ryan and sarah can also and tom can speak to some of the the challenges that came with that real culture change in the in the department but it was a hugely exciting time to be there that was and so in addition to the students, that was also really drew me to at least the professional position.
0: I'm glad you brought up the change aspect of being here. Ryan and Sarah, maybe you can talk a little bit about the frustrations and the rewards of working in an organization that is evolving and changing. Actually,
3: could I go back to kind of why NYU? Another reason, and big reason I wanted to come to NYU was you, Tom, actually. In the summer of 2002, I was planning a visit to New York to try and like start to explore this. And I had this transition from Minnesota to New York, and I emailed every Residence Life program in the city, and you were one of the only people that kind of responded and made time for me. And I just remember that meeting that we had and hearing about your vision and what you wanted to do with this department. I was totally, like, on board with that and wanted to be a part of that. And so kind of left that feeling very inspired and wanted to be a part of something really great. And even though the the title of the position, CDE, Community Development Educator, you know, as odd as that title may be, you know, it really, I, in my view, represented the values I believed in, in terms of what the role should really be about. And so I really wanted to be a part of that. In terms of being a part of that, then, you know, obviously it was exciting and challenging and rewarding to work at NYU. It was great to be at a university that was really making a deliberate choice to invest significantly in student affairs and residence life, and fascinating to work with so many incredibly talented, smart diverse and passionate students, as well as colleagues. But one of the things I reflect back on and kind of like a learning thing for me, a real poignant lesson was kind of coming from, you know, as I said, I worked at my alma mater. I'd been there, you know, as an undergrad student for four years, worked there for four years professionally. I had really knew everybody and and had strong relationships and that that foundation. And I think, you know, one error maybe I, I made coming to NYU is just forgetting that that doesn't carry with you and how important it is to reestablish that foundation of trust when you're emerging into a new culture, and especially one where your vision was to change the culture. So there's kind of two layers there. And I guess I I came in just very excited to to move forward and and do these great things that were part of the vision. But maybe as I reflect back, you know, I might have been a little bit more successful had I really established that trust and rapport because you had a lot of people who were, you know, going through that transition and experiencing it differently than I was. And so that's one of the kind of lessons that I've always thought about in terms of my time at NYU that made it kind of challenging, you know, a professionally rewarding experience that I'll remember.
0: Sir, did you feel like an insider or an outsider because you came from the grad ranks? And how was that experience of change for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because... As you know, Tom, when I was a grad, when I first came on, I was a grad in Third North and had a more traditional sort of hall director type role. And then you came right soon after that, I believe, or right when I came. And then we went out to coffee one day and just clicked. And you then suggested that I work for you the following year in this newly created grad role for my second year in grad school, where I wouldn't be in the residence hall and I would be working to help you create the change and create the Explorations Program and create the Faculty in Residence Program. And so as scared as I was to take on a role like that, because I didn't really know what it would be and I didn't know how successful it would be at the time, I was lucky because as a second year grad student, I felt like I got to help build it with you, you know, and help set the vision and the tone for what the culture would be and what our department would do and how we would do it. And so I, in some ways, felt like I was on the inside because I was working directly with you on this. But because I was working with you so directly, there were definitely, as the other guys alluded to, a lot of folks in the department who weren't super excited about their job changing. And, you know, they had come into one job, and then suddenly we were saying, it's something different. It's a little bit different. And so I think it was hard for some people to hear. And, you know, here I was, this grad student who was 22 or 23, telling them, here's the new vision. So I think that was, you know, for me, a a hard professional experience. But, you know, considering what I do now, it certainly prepared me because a lot of what I do now is create change and is build new programs. And I have to sort of continue to be the strong voice, even when not everyone buys into it, when I know that I'm doing the right thing. So I think like both John and Ryan mentioned, I wanted to stay at NYU after I was a grad and into my full-time experience. And I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. Because here it was, we had just sort of set the foundation and built the foundation of of what the experience was going to be. And I didn't want to then run away to some other university and be a hall director. I felt like I had to take this awesome opportunity and manage a residence hall that offered explorations programs and offered faculty and residents. And, you know, all the things that I was building, I wanted to actually see them through. So for me, that was one of the main reasons that I wanted to stay and be a full-time staff member is I just felt like here I had spent all this time creating and now I can actually just do it. And like both John and Ryan mentioned, it was so much in line with my values and who I was as a professional and why I entered this field that I felt just a pull to stay at NYU. But I also feel like, and and I think Ryan was sort of talking about this too, is one of the reasons I loved NYU so much and that I still love NYU and I still have a connection to it is like they both mentioned, just the quality of the people, both the students and the staff and the faculty, There's just such a high level of competency and efficiency and being on top of new trends and having an openness to making progress and moving forward, which many universities have a hard time doing. And so I always look back on that experience as something that's a model for me about what I can offer at other universities when I work at other places. I take that with me, and I always think back about my experience at NYU and how I can recreate some of that at other places because it was just such a phenomenal experience. And then I think really the biggest thing that I took away, though, even even though I ended up doing this as my profession, was really the friendships. I mean, these two guys on the phone, obviously, I mean, they're like my brothers. And we had the best time ever being hall directors. And I I can't imagine anyone having a more fun experience doing it, doing this job. But it wasn't just them. It was just the whole department. We had such a great sense of camaraderie and meeting for fun. And we would, you know, we were on the next telephones all day talking with each other on these two-way old-school radios, and it was hysterical. You know, we were meeting each other in and around the city all day and having meetings out and about, and it was just a really great time, and I always hope that my hall directors, where I work, are having sort of a similar, both personal and professional experience, because they bleed into each other in this job.
0: Absolutely agree with you, and I think you talk a lot about camaraderie, laughter, a culture of caring for each
1: other. Just to quickly add on to what Sarah and Ryan were just saying, I think that also the mentorship piece, particularly from you Tom, really helped me see that although I came, I think as Sarah and Ryan were talking about the experiences that they had had, you know, I think mine doing documentary films and writing and that sort of thing, comedy was seemed like totally a different seems like it is in left field compared to what most of the people that were professional staff members what you had done, but I think that you really helped me value and see see value in the the competencies that I brought and how those things could be related to the CDE job, and I think you really helped cultivate me professionally, and and, and I always appreciated that, and I think, you know, whether that was we wrote an article for that Akua Hawaii talking stick together about that, or whether it was you know, challenging me to present or do those sort of things and really, I think, helped me be a better professional in the residential education program because you saw value in those experiences that I brought that were not necessarily the traditional experiences that people came to the position with.
0: Maybe you can talk a little bit about the program piece. What were you most proud of, each of you, as it related to the work that you were doing at Weinstein, Hayden, Third North?
1: I think the program for me that I was most proud of Within Hayden, I think it was floor wars. That was something I know that a lot of halls had done, but it was something that we really, the staff in in Hayden really loved. And so I think it was every October maybe, we'd just take the whole month, and every week there was a different series of events. It really helped get people out and about in the city, get people meeting each other on their floor, get people meeting each other in the building, and I think really it was one of the things that helped drive a sense of community in the building right from the get-go. Beyond that, I think one of the other things that came out of Floor Wars is the first year we did, had done a Penny Wars to raise money, and the floor that had raised the most money got to choose the charity that it went to. And the first year, the floor had chosen Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, which just felt like a perfect New York-centric charity that, that seems perfect. <clears throat> Although, in fact, what I learned as I get to know about Broadway Cares is that they actually fund programs across the country. So it was something you could donate to locally that had a national reach but basically that sort of my by giving them that donation in that first year I get to know the the folks at Broadway Cares and and up we developed the firefight aids program which was probably the other thing that I was most proud of in my time there and that was educational programs that was we had a you know the game's chorus came and sang with you know an evening of performances hosted by John Tartaglia had Anthony Rapp come and talk about having been in the original cast of Rent and that sort of thing but so it, it was important to me because I realized in talking to students that a lot of students thought oh well AIDS is cured and it obviously is not and so I think that raising education awareness is was so important in that area so that's why I think for first year students to have that education piece was was important and then also the fact that it was connected to the the Broadway which is so in and of the city felt very uh, it felt it was a program that I was proud of, and it felt like a good collaboration between NYU first-year students and uh, the Broadway community.
2: I would say that, obviously, I already referred to my work on the Faculty and Residence program and theme floors with exploration. So all of that was amazing, and that was a big takeaway for me at 3rd North because I was a part of the inaugural time during both those programs. But The one other program at 3rd North that I think was amazing was the 24-hour musical, which I still cannot believe anyone actually agreed to do, or that I did that either. (laughs) But it was really fun. We basically just pulled an all-nighter, and I believe we did West Side Story. But it was hysterical, and we somehow pulled together some version of West Side Story in 24 hours and had an audience and honestly just had an amazing experience during the rehearsal period for that play it was hysterical. So that was an awesome experience with my residents. I also started an a cappella group called the Tritones which was really a feat, but it didn't last very long, as you can imagine.
0: That was replicated, um, you know, at U-Haul with Greece. The did that. Yeah, That's yeah, exciting. yeah. That started, See? yeah. yeah Bigger
2: impact there, right? You did. But I think that, the big, for me, the thing that, that I think about the most when I think about what I left in terms of a legacy at NYU is that I really helped drive the gender inclusive housing yeah. opportunity that NYU now offers thinks throughout the housing system. And it was, I was one of the initial people who had that idea and worked with a group of students from student government to make that possible. I helped them write the proposal. And I also, with Brett Crutch, a good friend of mine who was also a hall director with us, we created the pilot program and ran that and did some research on it and helped to launch the program at NYU. So, for me, that was just an amazing experience that I continued to publish and present on after my time at NYU. And I've also launched it at two other universities since then.
0: Fantastic. Ryan?
2: I
3: think the programmatic piece for me, like one, kind of generally speaking, that I'm proud of is just having been a part of kind of pushing the rock uphill, so to speak. You know, trying to really change and transform the culture that it's not just about, hey, you get this money for your floor and order some pizza and everybody eats the pizza and then scatter their separate ways, but really how to use that, that those resources and that funding to be intentional and to create experiences that also include dialogue and, you know, true learning and engagement outside of the classroom. That was a struggle in kind of that, that first year and trying to, you know, help student staff understand that 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 difference and in, in what intentional programming is all about. And I guess some of the success is, you know, tapping into what students are, are passionate about and kind of as things evolve, you know, being able to work with group of resident assistants to develop a, a diversity and social justice kind of experience for um, leaders in the community. And so we developed a weekly series of exploring different issues of identity and social justice and privilege and got nominations from residents who wanted to be involved in this kind of ongoing experience to go deeper and have conversations and experiences related to those topics uh, was probably one of the things that I enjoyed because it, it represented kind of that culmination of you know student staff understanding the vision and why this is important and how to execute that and being a part of that and knowing that there were students who wanted to be a part of those conversations and to, to grow in those areas and to challenge others to grow in that area. But in terms of just one fun program that, that stands out to me, I mean, I was surprised Keith Haskell, who was on the podcast recently, didn't mention this, but we used the front face of Weinstein to be a giant Connect Four board game face. Right. and we had, we had RAs on every floor who had giant pieces of red or black paper, and then we had residents out front watching the game. It was a big tournament, and we would call up to the different floors and, OK, in this room, put a, you know, put a black you know, game piece in the window. And it actually got featured on Gothamist.com, which is one of my favorite yeah. blogs that I always used to like to follow when I was in the city. So that was kind of like you know, a community aspect. It was you know, brought people together in a very visible, tangible way that isn't as a depth of a learning experience, but just something fun and unique that we did that I, I remember being a part of that was a fun program.
0: And two really important aspects of living in a residence hall, the dialogue piece and having fun. This podcast is really set for RAs and for alums to connect and learn. And so I'd like for each of you to to reflect on, as a supervisor of RAs back in the day, what were you looking for as the top competencies, skills, attitudes, behaviors to be successful on your staff? We're going to ask all of the current RAs hired to listen to this episode to kind of think about how they could live this kind of way of approaching the RA position.
1: John Austin, who was one of the RDs at U-Haul my first year, I remember him telling me, like, I can teach anyone how to do, like, the nuts and bolts of the job. He's like, I want to hire a staff that is excited about the job and wants to do the job of being an RA and all that that means. And so, for me, and this is something that I have taken forward even into my current roles, is that just thinking about bringing a positive attitude to what you're doing. And, I, and this was particularly true in those first couple of years because of the, the culture change that was happening. But I think that it's true in any job. You, you know, I can teach someone how to do an incident report, or I can teach someone best practices on how to handle a situation that they may encounter, or teach them, or you know, give them. You challenge and support them as they figure out what programming they want to do for their floor but if it's someone that doesn't truly want to do that job if, if it's someone that just wants to have a place to live in new york for free it's not going to work for that person it, you really need to find the people that are willing to put the time in it's a really tough job but it's one that people can get a lot out of it as well. So I think that for me, the biggest thing was always a positive attitude and just knowing that, you know, the paperwork side of it or those the nuts and bolts of it, I could teach them later or we could figure out. It was just you really wanted to have people who knew what, what it was going to mean to be an RA and were excited about the ups
2: and downs of that adventure. Sarah? Yeah, I totally agree with John on that point about how important it is to be excited about the job because we can't fix that. If someone isn't excited, that's just hard to, it's hard to excite them later. It is hard. So it, it can get less exciting when you're stuck in the emergency room or something else feels difficult. For me, it's also just to add to that communication skills. I, I just think that's also something that can be hard to teach and can be hard to improve in a one or two year period, however long you're an RA. And the communication skills are important. For the part where you're interacting with residents, and for me, that's really what the RA role is about. You know, that's the one thing that we as administrators can't do as well as a peer, as as another student. And so I need the person to be able to communicate with their peers and in an effective way. There's sometimes information that RAs have to deliver, like when they have to come upon a policy violation or handle a difficult crisis. Where they have to tell someone no or something that the person doesn't want to hear. And I find that good communicators can deliver that same information in a way that doesn't frustrate the other person that they're communicating with. Whereas sometimes there are other people communicating that same information and it's just the tone, it's just the delivery that makes a negative outcome. And so I'm always looking for really strong communicators so I know that they're going to have good attractions. I know they're going to know how to deliver information when they need to, but also to communicate well with their supervisor. I mean, I'm, I still in some ways supervise RAs indirectly and there's really nothing that's more frustrating when I sit down with someone to try and get information about what's going on and the person basically says, it's fine. You know and and I'm trying to find out what's actually the the pulse of the campus and what's going on with the RA staff and what what are they experiencing and that's either positive or negative and there's nothing that the person can really share Um, or if I hear about you know a resident from someone else who's not even connected through the RA program and I find out that the RA doesn't even know the student or doesn't even know this critical piece of information you know I sort of see the RA as a facilitator of all that communication so for me communication skills are just really important.
0: Excellent. Ryan, for you.
3: It's hard to top what's already been said. I mean, I'm going to kind of reiterate essentially what John and Sarah have said. Like, I would look for a genuine sense of passion, that either passion for what they want to in- achieve and how this position helps them get to where they're going in life. But related to that is that the passion for serving others. That, you know, kind of what John mm-hmm. was saying, I, I would always tell candidates, you know, if your primary motivation is room and board, you're gonna be you're not gonna be happy. It's gonna be a challenge for me to supervise and motivate you because you're not in it for the right reasons. And I think students who who are in that situation, you know, they, they don't have the best experience. Part of that is because residents are gonna need you at the most inopportune times. And so not to say that you always have to drop everything that you're doing for your residents, but related qualities that I would look for that match that is judgment and discernment and adaptability to know when those times are to stop what you're doing, to be able to be there for a student, uh, knowing when something is above your kind of like ability to respond and reaching out. You're part of a team and not feeling like you have to do everything yourself and reaching out to others, whether it's a peer or a supervisor or someone else on campus to get a student support that they need. It comes down to that service orientation. Of wanting to make a difference in the lives of other people—that's grounded their reason of why they want to be an RA.
0: You all have taken different paths in your career, and I'm curious as to what skills and competencies and qualities have you taken from your time at NYU and applied to the work that you're doing today. Obviously, Sarah, you're still in this field in a different role, so it may be a lot of the things that you did that are using a lot of those skills all the time. But curious how how you're using those,
1: John. Well, I sort of hinted at it when I was mentioning the attitude thing. I think that that's having a positive attitude and a passion for what you're doing is something that I still make sure that I carry with me into my role today. I mean, I think a lot of people think, oh, like writing on a TV show or a comedy is all like you're just laughing all the time. and It is so much fun and a lot of laughter, but it can also be a lot of late nights and a lot of trying to figure out how to make stories work and that isn't necessarily easy and i think that it can be if you're just in it for like the glamour and the free lunch that we get it might be a little bit like it'd be it'd be easy to just sort of check out at those points and also for us on superstar for example where we're the guy who created it Justin Spencer, he has a vision for the show and we're always trying to make sure that we're the pitches that we're doing or the stories that we're doing live up to that vision and so sometimes it could be hard to feel like I can't get inside this guy's head, but I think that it's important that you still have a positive attitude. Because as soon as you start checking out, it's just not the role for you anymore. So I think that having the positive attitude piece is really important. And something else is that I know when we used to do the RA Leadership Institute, I have no idea if that's how you still do for hiring. We do. We used to do the you give everyone the Myers Briggs form of that Myers Briggs test and talk about how you know when you're putting together a staff, you're really trying to be intentional in terms of having you know you don't want a staff full of introverts or staff full of extroverts and i think that it's actually very similar i haven't created my own show and had to staff up but i have seen the ways in which it's really important to have a balanced staff a balanced writing staff and and also i saw firsthand how it is to have a balanced you know ra peer educator staff so i think that that was something that i was always struck by that like that was a lesson that i took from nyu in terms of making sure you're hiring inclusive and making sure that you just represent everyone on writer staff or in RA staff.
2: Sarah, for you? So as you referenced, I'm using all of the skills every day. I mean I'm sort of just a glorified RA many many days. But the thing that really stands out is honestly just the values that it helped instill in me about our profession and what we do and what we should be doing in our best light. And when you're a graduate assistant in a higher education or student affairs master's program, it's really an apprenticeship. It's something where, you know, you go, like Ryan went to law school and learned how to practice law, but working in student affairs is very hard to teach in a classroom as someone who tries to teach it. It is very hard, and that's why part of our program is that you have to have an assistantship in an actual administrative role working with students so that you can learn on the job and apply the learning in the classroom to the learning in your professional work. And so for me, my early time at NYU was just that, was learning what I was supposed to be doing as an administrator. And then, you know, it was my first job as well working in the department too. And so it formed just the initial idea for me of, of what we what we actually do. It was my first time being an administrator. So when I think about all the things that I do now, you can always reflect back on something that I learned at NYU or, you know, a way to handle student behavior or difficult crisis situations, a lot of which I did have to handle at NYU or really complex mental health concerns or even just staff supervision or team building or as I did with Tom, building change and creating change, creating new programs. So really, I mean, my job is obviously just really applicable to everything I did as an RA and get to go to RA training and welcome everyone every year and train them. So it's so tied to it, I, I can't even separate it. I mean, it's, it's everything that I do, but it really was my, my launching pad. It was the first time I had the experience to work at a university where I hadn't attended as an undergrad. So I, I really was, was just taught what, what our profession is and what a good professional does.
0: And I would just say to anyone who's aspiring to be in student affairs, uh, if you have the chance to work for Sarah, you should. She's the consummate professional, high, has high expectations, and you will want to try to meet them. Well, thanks,
2: Tom. I only learned that from the back. True, uh, true.
0: Ryan, how about for you? The skills that I think back
3: on in terms of that are translatable to my current role you know, in the military, in the Navy, it's always about people, right? And so the importance of relationship building, teamwork, being able to work with a diverse range of people from different professions within the military and all different backgrounds how important that is and another key piece is your success depends on your ability to set conditions for success of the people that you lead so as an ra you're trying to create an environment where your students can be successful as an rd you're trying to create the conditions for your ras to be successful your worth your contribution the integrity of the whole you know the ability to, the entire Service or the command to, to be successful is dependent on everybody being able to be moving forward. And so, never forgetting that it's, it's about all the other people and not about you and how you can make others better to, to build the, the entire whole up. Other attributes, you know, managing priorities, you know, many competing priorities that we're faced with and being able to assess them and determine, you know, what's most important for me to get done today. And what maybe uh, needs more time or needs reaching out to someone else to assist and being able to discern how to manage a workload that's unmanageable at times. You face that as an RA and you face that as an RD. We're
0: going to change the order real quickly. Uh, Ryan, in terms of your path, if an RA student undergrad here at NYU wanted to go into the military, the Navy and be a judge advocate, what would they need to be successful in that particular career?
3: One thing that I've really been reflecting on personally is kind of the notion of service as a privilege and that, you know, really selfless service. It's easy for us to be so focused on what we want and where I want to go and the type of work I want to be doing, but you really have to come into a mindset of that it's it's not about you and that it's service above self and that that willingness to be open to be challenged in different different ways that kind of the, the needs of the service is a, is a true thing. And you know, being able to be adaptable and willing to serve where needed and find a way to apply your passion, even though it may not be the, a particular job that you wanna be doing. We move around a lot every couple of years. And so being able to be flexible, the ability to work in a diverse work, workforce, as I said before, and also that interest in being a leader, that it's not just about being a lawyer, as a judge advocate in the Navy, it's also about being an officer and that you're willing to step up and lead others and make that as important of a role that you have as being an experienced and seasoned attorney who's able to give legal advice, that you're also able to lead sailors and other officers for the better good of our service and of the military. Kind of an openness in in being able to be a a well-rounded generalist practitioner which I struggle with if, if I'm honest. Like I, I have my interests and I wanna focus on those interests. But at the same time, I've really enjoyed being a part of the Navy and, and being an officer. And I know that each experience has been enjoyable. And so as hard as it is, is to, to give up what I'm currently doing, which I really love the, the, the work assignment that I'm doing, I know that there's gonna be great things about my next assignment as well.
0: John, to be a writer on a comedy show, a very successful one what's that path like for one of these NYU students in the Tisch program?
1: Tom, I remember one time you told me, uh, I think we were we were teaching an online class together, and I remember one of the things that we came out of that was action creates opportunity. And that's something that's become sort of a mantra for me because I think that it's really easy for people to say, oh, I want to be a writer and then just never write anything. Or it's similarly like, you know, I, I want to be an actor and then just never audition. And I think that action creates opportunity for me has meant that, not just that I'm constantly writing or thinking about stories and ideas and that sort of thing, but it's also about networking and increasing the number of people that I know who are currently working in the field, because I think that it is a sort of small world in the sense that a lot of, like, you'll end up working with the same people over and over. I think that the other thing that for me was that the idea of moving to LA, and I'm sure the three of you can all attest to how terrifying that was for me, all my family is on the East Coast and I didn't want to make the move felt like leaping into the unknown. I had, I really loved being a CVE at Hayden and I you know, I quit that job and then just sort of moved without a job and without any sort of a net, just a little money that i had saved in like a dream. And I think that I just didn't stop and that I think has created the opportunity. And I think it's also, you know, a lot of people, I, I, I attribute a lot of things to luck, but I think that if you aren't working hard throughout your whole life than when fate sort of hands you something you're not ready for it i think that that's the other part of it so i i mean if you want to write for tv there are opportunities in new york and i think that it's very easy when you're, when you're at nyu to say like oh, i'll just stay here and try to figure it out try to seek out those opportunities in new york and there are great opportunities in new york but the truth is that there are you know 10 times as many in la and so i feel like if that is what you truly want to do that you should find your way west at some point and then I think it's just a matter of meeting as many people as you can possibly it it can be very hard especially to get a job as like a staff writer level entry level writer and so sometimes it means teaming up and trying to find uh, someone that you can be a writing partner with ultimately it just means working as hard as you can as tireless as you can and being ready for that you can just jump at any opportunity that presents itself Great. Sarah?
0: Student Affairs professionals? Future ones?
2: Let's see. I mean, I think the skills that you need, your job changes as you progress. And I think some of the things that I needed to be an effective CDE are different from what I need to be effective now, and then some of them are really very much the same. But I think that to get to the higher level positions, like I am now, I think that honestly the number one thing that you need, and it relates to leadership skills, is confidence I feel like people always question you in roles like mine, and you know that's part of why I like working with college students is that they call a lot of things into question and they won't just settle, which is why I like that age, working with students in that age group. But it's hard, right? They, everything you do, you're in a bubble. It's kind of like being an RA in that way where I say hi to one person, I miss the second person in the hallway, and someone's like, oh, Sarah Klein doesn't know that person. Why doesn't she know me? Why isn't she saying hi to me? So you just scrutinize it in a different way. It is is like walking around campus in a bubble because everyone knows who I am and unintentionally maybe scrutinizes what I do. So you do have to have just a certain air of confidence about yourself and not too confident. I don't really enjoy when higher-level administrators are a little bit overconfident, so I try to be as modest as I can and humble as I can while at the same time recognizing you know, people expect certain things of me and I have to be confident. And I think with that, I've also, over time, had I've had to develop a really thick skin because of that. People will say things, parents will say unkind things on the phone or in person, or students will get frustrated about something that happened at the university. So I just have to stay confident and believe in what I'm doing because I know that usually (laughs) I at least intend to be doing the right thing. And I'm always trying to go back to that, is kind of doing what I think is best for the students and is best for the university. And so I try to make every decision like that, but not everyone always sees it that way. So I think confidence and a thick skin. And then I talked about RAs being great communicators, but I do feel like that's the most essential part of my job, is helping people understand the why behind things that we're doing so they don't get upset. Or helping people understand why policies are created and why we have to implement them and why we make certain choices that maybe not everyone has the same positive attitude about some people love them some people hate them even down to why we're serving certain kind of chicken in the dining hall and everyone wants chicken nuggets but that's not healthy and everyone's gluten-free and can't eat that you know so i have to get involved with all of these kinds of conversations from the most minute things to super important things and sort of defend the universities and my decision-making on those things. A lot of what I do is just make difficult decisions all day. Some of that involving students directly and some of it more indirectly, a lot of it involving my staff. When you are at the top of an organization as large as mine and where ultimately you also have all these reports in from students and student staff like RAs, a lot of my time is actually spent supervising everybody and indirectly supervising everybody because supervision is really hard and not everybody does everything you want them to do or you wish that they would do. So a lot of my time is just spent dealing with supervision concerns or great supervision things like rewarding people or recognizing them for their behavior or their actions. So my life is just sort of managing people's issues and problems all day long, and that's part of why I love it because there's just never a dull moment, literally. You know, I, I think everything's going to be super chill one day, and I'll come into work and think, oh, I only have, you know, five days. I'm going to be so relaxed. And then while I'm walking into campus, you know, I have five texts that we have a water pipe leaking and a student who's in a mental health crisis and all these other things that I then need to address and change my whole day. So it's sort of like, I think John or Ryan was talking about just flexibility, just being okay with the fact that you know, sometimes since students are my priority, I just drop other things to make that the priority. Absolutely. Um, so they're just, uh, my job is very interesting in that there are just so many different things, but I think, Tom, you you have a shared experience, so you know what I mean.
0: We do, we do. Time for speed round. Favorite tradition
3: at Yay! NYU.
2: Midnight breakfast. Midnight breakfast, too. Mainly Tom at midnight breakfast.
3: Exactly. I would say moving day. That was always the best. Mm-hmm. So much energy especially with first-year students, all the hope and excitement and dreams and just being a part of that.
2: Best dining hall. Hayden, obviously. I know, we're all very biased right now because I'm gonna say Third North, even though at the time when I was there, it was really not the best dining hall, but it was more about the community in the dining hall.
3: You can't go wrong with Weinstein. You got the trifecta, Downstein, Upstein, Kosher Calf. It's all there.
0: And now I have a side student. Guys, this is supposed to be a speed round. I know, here we go. Guys- Favorite NYU professor.
2: Charlie Rubin. Patrick Love, even though he's no longer an NYU professor.
0: Favorite, Mark Way saying.
3: I always remember him saying something like, great good stuff, we're
0: going to be doing great good work, or something like that. Did you ever get a hug from John Sexton? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I did. Many. I adore John Sexton. Love the hugs. Any celebrity sightings as an NYU staff member?
1: The coolest one for me, Robin Williams was shooting August Rush in Washington Square Park. And then we had some parents of students who lived in Hayden, and
2: and that was also really cool. Kiefer Sutherland was a parent of a resident of mine, which I very much enjoyed, but obviously my biggest and best slippery sighting was Lady Gaga, who was my favorite resident. Not that I favorite, but she and I spent a lot of time together when she was a first-year student in Third Norris, and at the time was Stephanie Germanata. and so she wasn't famous at the time, but now she certainly is. Mine wasn't technically
3: a sighting. I was actually going to visit John in Hayden. And I wasn't paying attention. And when I got to John's office, like, you didn't even notice you practically ran into Christy Brinkley in the hallway because her daughter was living in Hayden Hall at the time.
0: (laughs) A Broadway show you went to see as a staff member.
1: I pretty much think I went to see almost every show that was on Broadway when I was there. So it would be hard to narrow it down. I think I will say the show that friends of mine wrote title of show.
2: I also went to a lot of Broadway shows as a staff member. But one, I think I went with most of you which was to La Caja and I still remember singing in Times Square with all of you after that. It was so cold that night. It was freezing. Yeah, I remember.
3: i, I obviously seen a lot as well. Uh, John and Sarah really inspired that in me. But my favorite one, Avenue Q. I thoroughly love that show.
0: Agreed. Last question. Favorite memory of being a staff member here. John.
1: I just truly loved going to the Starbucks that was underneath Goddard on Washington Park with the three of you. I mean, Ryan, I think Ryan, Sarah, and I were, were there pretty regularly, and then Tom, I'm sure we would see you there. That was one of my favorite times being there. It was great to spend time with, to be able to work with people that you care so much about.
2: You stole mine, John. I was going to say that, too. We were actually all waiting outside for the thing to open the first day it came to be. at at the square, which we always love to call it. But I would say second to that is just all the pranks with John and Ryan. I mean, I can't go into the details on this podcast because I'm a professional now, but there were a lot of really, really hilarious pranks pulled that I still laugh about. Yeah, I would echo those things,
3: hanging at Starbucks at the Square and just seeing our entire department come through there and just knowing that there was always people around to experience the city with and to share the, the challenges and joys. The pranks, like Sarah said, and one, Tom, where your wife Gladys was involved, Tom was consternating about his possible hair loss, and he was telling me how he's taking Propecia. And so I ended up seeing, I mean, we actually at Starbucks at the Square, and I walked out and I saw Gladys, and she was going to be walking towards, Con, or towards John. I said, Gladys, when you see John, tell him his hair looks really full. So sure enough, she runs in and says, John, your hair looks so full today. Uh, of course, John knew exactly what had happened. but
1: love it. Love it. Thanks,
0: Brian. You know, there are a few times in life where you uh, converge and you have everything work the way you want it to with wonderful people around you, and I had that moment, uh, and I thank both, all three of you for creating that moment here at NYU and leaving seeds, planting those seeds, those students who are out there doing great things around the world. You should take credit for what you did here and what you continue to do to mentor those folks who worked for you. Uh, the students you inspired along the way, you really did make an imprint on NYU that's lasting for decades and decades. So thank you all for being on the show today.
1: Happy to Thanks, do it. And I do want to just do a shout out to all of the grad students that I worked with at Hayden who are all incredibly talented and were literally, I could not have done it without them. So that was Michael Kirk, Chris Tippick, Katrina Lee, Katarina Dobb. They were all absolutely invaluable and made my experience there. wonderful and then also just obviously it goes without saying that the staff that we had were all absolutely stellar and i see them when they're in la or i see them when i go to new york i keep in touch on social media with all of them and i just really wanted to say that they helped make hayden as great as it was for
2: those years that i was there i think i mean i got a shout out to tom i know it sounds ridiculous because we're all on the phone together but really tom has always been a huge mentor to me and still is and really helped me get to the point where I am today. So I'm very thankful to have met you at NYU. You. But also Kristen, I know that Ryaner also mentioned this, but his wife, Christian, was sort of a part of our little crew. And it was just so great to meet her. And she's been one of my closest friends ever since. Similarly, my other best friend, Brett Crutch, met him from being grads together at Third North and Hall Directors. And also Nick Evans, Chris Stippick, a bunch of other folks from the department who just were lifelong friends. But like John said, I can't even fathom what the experience would be without my staff. So a big shout out to everyone who I worked with at 3rd North because it was just such a phenomenal experience and it shaped my entire career. I want to thank you, Tom, for doing this podcast.
3: I've enjoyed listening to all of the different RAs, especially some of mine who showed up on the podcast. And it's just really made me think about, you know, social media, like the question, like, who are you in touch with? It's easy to take for granted. I'm, I, I want to be better about this now, be more intentional about reaching out because, as John and Sarah were saying, the staff is what made the experience. And it, it's been easy to just kind of, like, enjoy seeing people's updates and experiencing their, their joys through that platform. And this has really inspired me to be better about reaching out. Because these are people who made a difference in my my life. And hopefully I made a difference in theirs. And I'll just give a couple shout outs. First person that comes to mind is John Graff, one of the RAs when I first arrived at Weinstein. He was such a tremendous person, so friendly and welcoming. And he was a leader. And I think he really helped pave the way for me as this new guy coming in from Minnesota that I think the rest of the staff looked at him and said, well, if John Graff is reaching out to this guy and thinks that he's a good person for us to follow, then then maybe we will too. So I, I think I'm indebted to him and his role in, in making me have a successful transition. The other one I'll say just kind of in terms of who has gone into this profession, Blake Redding, you know, he was an RA for me and you know, enjoyed having him on staff and working with him, playing Atari 2600 in my office quite a bit And just enjoying that side of him as an RA and then seeing him get excited about this profession and then to go on and continue working at NYU and then go on to do a similar job in California. So very proud that one of my own kind of continued on in the profession. So shout out to Blake Redding and I I think he should be on the the podcast as well. And other people I keep in touch with, obviously John and Sarah, Kelly Nowitzki. She left after kind of my first year at NYU and went on to of American Ballet and she's gone since but we keep in touch and another professional staff member that I keep in touch with today is Charity Haldor.
0: Excellent. What an episode. Sarah, John and Ryan thanks so much for spending time with me to discuss where your journey of life has taken you and thank you for impacting my life and the lives of those students who attended NYU. Special thanks to my engineer Juliana Fonseco lessa and to the current professional staff and alums who have made a difference in the lives of the RAs. I hope that there'll be 50 more and 50 more episodes after this. So if you like the show, please look for more content on the website, www.whereareanow.com. And always feel free to send me a tweet at T.E. for a shout out. Until next time. There's nothing like memories that are created through laughter and hard work on the job in the trenches. Thank you, NYU. And thank you to all those who have worked to share a little bit of themselves in making community more vibrant, energetic, and caring.